You're listening to The Jukebox, your monthly dose of the very best indie music around. Please welcome your host, Brett Stewart. Hello, hello, hello. This is Brett Stewart, and you are indeed listening to The Jukebox. This is a special report for December 25th, 2015, Christmas. I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful holiday wherever you are in the world, whatever holiday you celebrate, if any. I hope it is going splendidly. This is a special report for December 25th, and first I want to go off uh, and talk about where the jukebox has been and why we took a month hiatus and then also what's coming in the near future and then like other special reports I have a couple discussion topics that I'm going to kind of rant off of because people seem to really enjoy those as long as I pick interesting topics which I believe I did today any case I first want to talk about where the jukebox has been because as many of you noticed and many of you wrote in and rightfully so that there was no jukebox in November and there's a reason for that A lot of content creators on the internet, I've noticed, take uh, either November or December off, or sometimes January. That's typically because of of end-of-year things, holiday things, travel, they need a break, whatever. One of the things when you're doing regular content on the internet, and obviously there are many people who do it much more than I do, even though I do many things outside of the jukebox, is that you kind of need a break from it, because it just hammers you all year round. I'm up early Sunday morning and at 2 a.m. Saturday night doing my work and that's a lot of work so it was really nice for me personally to take a little bit of a break especially because um, I've been very sick the last week or two and I was really worried I wasn't able to do this show but now I'm feeling a whole lot better it's Christmas I'm excited it's actually my birthday today yes I am a a Christmas baby and uh, ironically I'm not a huge fan of the holiday but that's neither here nor there Anyway, uh, what I want to touch on is the jukebox is coming back in full force. You are going to get next week, either on Tuesday or Wednesday, a New Year's episode of the jukebox. This is going to be the jukebox style that you're used to. It's going to be way longer, have a bunch of music, maybe an interview or two, lots of really, really cool stuff. You're going to want to tune into that for New Year's. It's going to be awesome. Then you're going to have another episode on January 25th for the monthly episode, and it's going to keep going, the monthly episodes, every month after that, until we get back on a regular schedule. The special reports are going to continue to come out as well, with this being one of them. This one doesn't have an interview, because I want to talk about some other things, and I want to keep this relatively succinct, because I know it is a holiday and people are busy. Uh, If you are listening to this the day it comes out, thanks for spending some of your holiday with me. I'll make it entertaining. So, before we delve into next week and we listen to all these new artists and we come head on with all sorts of new music, and this is going to be a really fun one because we're combining a lot of the stuff we're going to play in November and a lot of the stuff we're going to play today. So it's going to be a big episode, and again, you can listen to that over parts. I highly encourage, if you're, if you're listening on the website, the website's a great portal, and I love it when people specifically go out and share it on Facebook and Twitter. Hint, hint, go do that if you like the show. It really helps us. But uh, listen to it on a podcast app of some kind that is going to keep track of your progress. Because I know people who listen on the website, and that's not the most ideal portal for doing that. My recommendation has always been Pocket Casts. You can now get a desktop version of that as well. 
but I know a lot of people use Stitcher. We are also on Stitcher. And a lot of people just use, if you have a Mac or iTunes or an iPod or an iPhone, a lot of people use the built-in podcast app. And Apple's recently relaunched that, and it's quite good. So check that out in any case, because that is going to be a longer episode, and you're probably going to want to break that out into several pieces, and maybe two or three, even three and a half hours long. It's going to be a long one. Anyway, in today's special report, we're going to talk about a special new project I have coming up. We're going to be talking about the Beatles. They are on streaming as of today. What does this mean? Why is it important? Why should you care? We're going to talk about my best records of 2015. I'm going to give you an interesting list of things I think you need to go back and listen to, regardless of what kind of music you like. Hopefully my music is, or my choices are somewhat different than what you're hearing from places like Pitchfork and NME and Rolling Stone. And then finally, we're going to close out with looping and whether or not looping is something you can do live and whether or not you should sink money into it through websites, uh, more specifically Looploft. And we're going to get more into that. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about that. I'm going to explain it. It's a really fascinating subject. So now uh, we're going to take a moment and then we're going to delve straight into The Beatles are now on streaming. Smooth jazz is perfect for a Christmas episode. So let's talk about the Beatles arriving on streaming services. As of today, they are on Spotify. Uh, they've already been on Apple uh, Apple Music, but they're on Spotify, Google Play, Tidal, whatever the hell that thing that Microsoft sells is. They're on everything. Now, why is this important? Well, the Beatles have been long-standing holdouts on all streaming services and all digital content in general. We got them on iTunes five years ago in 2010, six years ago now rather, and that was a pretty big deal, and that was five or six years after iTunes had started to gain popularity. And it's worth noting, as many of you know, that the Jackson family, Michael Jackson's family, controls the rights to the Beatles catalog. They have for a while, a long time ago, back in the 80s, uh, Michael Jackson came to his good friend Paul McCartney and he said, Hey, Paul, I think I should start investing in music. And Paul said, You know, that's a great idea. You should do just that. And then Michael turned around and bought his catalog. It kind of soured a rather good friendship between the two. And um, the Jackson family, and well, rather Michael Jackson at that time, bought out the catalog, uh, outbidding both Yoko, Yoko Ono, and uh, Paul. So the Jackson family owns it, and they've always been holdouts on putting this out into uh, a, a digital space. Now, the Beatles are kind of singular in this sense, because even artists who are against streaming, people like Adele, Coldplay, The Black Keys, Tom York, Radiohead, all of those artists, uh, you can at least find them on, on iTunes. So... It comes as, you know, it's not, too, it's not too surprising that the Beatles are so late to the party on this. But it's a rather big deal because it puts a rather good um, word in for streaming music, if you will. When we have people departing from streaming music, the likes of Coldplay, the likes of Taylor Swift in the recent year, and perhaps most notably in the past month, Adele, with her uh, 
incredible new album 25. Uh, you have a you have a problem where all these major artists are starting to leave Spotify and then the Beatles say, hey, no, we are here. That's a big deal. Uh, and I said Spotify, but I really mean all streaming for the most part. Neil Young's another one of them. Neil Young has pulled everything off except for Tidal, which personally I think is very hypocritical because you can listen to Neil Young on a regular subscription of Tidal, which costs the same as a Spotify subscription and is not any higher quality. And Young's argument is that he will only put it on Tidal because it's higher quality. Well, you can only get that higher quality if you're listening to Tidal on the $20 a month version of the service. So even the artists, I I guess the reason I bring up that anecdote is because even the artists are entirely confused about what Spotify means, what all of these services mean, and how it affects their business. A lot of people see it as taking away from their, their end goal. And they see it as taking away from their dividends, and they don't like it. And this is something we talked about extensively in the last special report. I got a couple of really cool emails on it. We had some conversations. I had someone who wrote in who talked about how they love Spotify for their independent band because it helps them get out there. They don't care the fact that they're only getting cents back. It's the fact that they're getting their music out there. And then I had someone else write in, and they said, I understand where the artists are coming from. So it's a divisive issue. But the Beatles being on being on streaming services sets a very strong precedent for all of these artists to slowly migrate back towards streaming services as they realize that this is the future and you have to step behind it. These services are inexpensive, but they also allow the masses to access your music. Radio used to do that, but not a lot of people listen to radio anymore. So that's kind of what, where they're at is I think the Beatles set a precedent for more of these artists to come back. And I think we're already seeing that. Because some of them are going back on the title, like Neil Young. And some of them are creating deals with the content providers. For for example, Taylor Swift calling out Apple Music and them putting her music out. And then you also, you have artists who are going to start flocking back, and I think that's a really cool idea, because even if you look at the new Coldplay album, they put it on Spotify. And I found this really interesting, because with Ghost Stories last year, they made a really big deal about not putting that on Spotify. That was a big deal for them. And now here's their new little Technicolor album, and it just slips right on Spotify, no one says a word, because the money's there, and they realize that. It may not be near as much as they're making selling CDs or otherwise, or even MP3s, but it's there. And that's where they have to go to get that music. So the reason the Beatles are a big deal is because, as always, the Beatles are progressing forward in the music industry. 50, you know, 50 years, 55 years after the Beatles' inception, well, 50, 52, I guess, um, we're, we are seeing the Beatles reinvent the music industry again. Isn't that amazing? Let's just let's just wrap our heads around that. These four guys are still progressing the music industry, even when they're not trying to, and even when they're not the actual ones propelling that forward. I think what we're going to start seeing as a result of this is more artists coming back to Spotify, coming back to Google Music, coming back to Stitcher, all these places where you can stream music, Deezer, all of them. I think you're going to start seeing more people flocking back to them. And potentially, you're going to start seeing these services creating more lucrative deals. Because at the end of the day, the reason the Jackson family holds out on so much of the Beatles catalog is because 
They want to make it as profitable for them as it should be. I don't blame them for that. I mean, I kind of do because personally, I think the Beatles music is universal and I think everyone should have access to it in every possible way. But that's in a perfect, wonderful, it's a wonderful life world. We're talking about real life. I understand why they have the most lucrative music catalog in the world and they want to profit off of it. And I have no doubt that these streaming services have created a monetary plan for them to profit from it or otherwise they would have never put it out. Right? They would never have put it out. So I think what we're going to start seeing is all these artists coming back and the Beatles are going to set a precedent once again for the music industry to shift in a way that is beneficial for artists, for streaming, and above all, for the consumers. One important note I do want to mention is that if you're on Spotify and you start flipping through the Beatles, they've done a pretty good job. They haven't put everything out. They put out the studio albums, all of them, and they also put out the one album, that early 2000s compilation that had some of the remastered tracks, and all of them are remastered, by the way. This is the remastered albums. I believe they're the remasters that iTunes received in 2010. That said, you're not going to find singles and B-sides, which you can find for some artists, but still not many. You still can't find B-sides for... You couldn't find them for Neil Young. You can't find them for artists like Bob Dylan who are in that same echelon. But you can't find B-sides. There's a couple compilations on there, but some of the records, like that Hey Jude record where they're all standing in front of the the door, or uh, the Dead Baby record, uh, you're not going to find that on there. But I guess those were compilations anyway. My point is that they they were selective with what they put on. You're not going to get the entirety of everything Beatles. You're going to get the studio albums and this one one compilation because it's called one you're gonna get that so this is a big deal go listen to it go become re-immersed in what is great about yellow submarine and the white album make this a white christmas and go listen to the white album now with that why don't we talk a little bit about my new archival project and my best albums of 2015 Right, so I announced this archival project on the last episode of the Jukebox, I think the last two, and I've played a couple tunes from it. I want to elaborate a little bit more on it, because it is on the horizon. It's going to be called Tilting at Windmills, because we are Tilting Windmill Studios, get it, haha, <laughs> slap on the knee. But it's going to be called Tilting at Windmills, and it is a uh, compilation of 50 tracks from my career the past eight years as an independent musician through about 10 records. It's going to include the highlights of the records. It's going to include B-sides, tracks that never made the final cut or were rewritten or revised at a later time or I just found and for some reason never made it. And it's going to include live recordings, everything remastered, uh, the whole slew of other things, demos, all sorts of really fun stuff. It's going to be a way for people to enter my music in a way that's accessible and interesting, hopefully, and uh, gives you a good highlight reel. Because I know, as an independent musician myself, 
A lot of people get kind of daunted when they look at my 10 album catalog and they have no idea where to start. Well, this is my answer to that. I don't have an exact release date. I'll have that by the New Year's episode. I would assume it's going to come out in the first or the second week of January. In any case, that's my archival project, Tilting at Windmills, coming soon. Uh, Shameless self-promotion is done. Why don't we talk about the best albums of 2015? In the last uh, several weeks, all the way back to late November, early December, uh, publications like Rolling Stone, NME, uh, Pitchfork, Consequence of Sound, they've all been doing their best of lists. And they're pretty good for the most part. They're, They're never too far off base. But I did want to talk about my personal favorites of the year, because while I share some similar similarities with these lists, I also differ. And I thought it'd be fun as the host of the jukebox. I'm not just listening to quite literally thousands of independent artists every year. Almost every month, I get a lot of emails and I go out and search for a lot of independent music. But I also keep tabs on everything mainstream and I work in the mainstream in many ways. And it's very important to me to keep tabs on what's happening on both ends of the music industry. So these are my top records in no particular order. I'm not doing a top 10, a top 5. In fact, I didn't even create a number. I just sat down with a pad last evening and I said, you know, what are my best albums this year? What made them so great? What can I talk about that makes these great? And my plea to you guys would be to go listen to these even if you don't think you'll like them. Because I promise that there is something special for you in these records. In the same way that I promise there will always be something special on the jukebox every month. I promise that is going to be a rewarding experience for you to delve into any of these records. So number one, let's kick it off with a Christmas record. It's Nick Lowe's new Christmas record. It's the Quality Street Review Live, done with Los Straightjackets. They are the backing band who has been backing him for the past couple years. I'm a huge Nick Lowe fan. You should be too. Nick Lowe is amazing. If you're not familiar with Nick Lowe, he is the man behind late 70s uh, post-punk classics like, um, uh, what's that song? (laughs) This is the beautiful part of doing a podcast and you're just talking into a microphone. Sometimes you forget things and you sound like a complete idiot. But he wrote a song for Elvis Costello, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. You may have heard it. He also wrote an array of other really great songs. In the last 10 years, he's continued to evolve as a lyricist and as a performer. Very, very, very talented man. And last year, he put out a record called The Quality Street Review, which was a whole slew of Christmas of Christmas songs, all redone and some rewritten and some new and some traditional. And this year, he's put out a new one that's all live with the Low Straight Jackets. And it is amazing. It doesn't just include Christmas music. In fact, if you don't like Christmas music, I would still recommend tuning into the versions of Sensitive Man, of I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass, which is off of Jesus of Cool, 1977, one of the greatest records of the 70s in my humble opinion. He's worth checking out. He's a fantastic, fantastic performer, songwriter. It's a great Christmas record. And quite honestly, a great record that I'm going to be listening to all year anyway. Second, let's talk about Wilco. Wilco is one of the most profound acts of the past 15 years. Jeff Tweedy is undoubtedly a genius in so many facets. And this year, Wilco put out a new record called Star Wars. 
They debuted it entirely for free. You could download it on their website for free. Kind of unprecedented for them, for any major artist like that. It's a great record. It doesn't quite match, you know, things like Yankee Foxtrot, but it is a great record, full of really, really fun rock and roll sounds that I would align with a lot of the indie rock that we play here on the jukebox. Wilco is one of the most profound and prolific efforts because they can seamlessly move from genre to genre with just this elegant tack that is completely unmatched. And Star Wars continues that. So, check out Wilco, Star Wars. Oh, and just also go see Star Wars if you haven't. Goodness, go see it. It's beautiful. I cried. Moving on, uh, I want to talk about Pop Staples. Pop Staples, we can connect this back to Wilco because Jeff Tweedy, a couple years ago, got connected with Mavis Staples. They are both from Chicago. They are both from where we record this jukebox podcast and where I am currently living. Love Chicago. It's my home now. Um, It's a city that's going through a lot of turmoil right now, especially this evening, actually. Uh, Late Christmas Eve, early Christmas morning. But it's a wonderful city. And I digress, but they're both from Chicago. And... Jeff Tweedy wanted to reinvent Mavis Staples for a new generation. He wanted to make my generation, and even two generations after mine, become introduced to her. Because, my God, Mavis is is unparalleled um, in the music industry. I can't think of anyone who I have more respect for, more love for, more admiration for. I love Mavis Staples. But Jeff got a hold of Mavis in the last couple years. He's reinvented her. The music they're making together is astoundingly good. So Jeff decided to go back to Pop Staples' catalog. Pop Staples, of course, was Mavis Staples' father, the lead of the Staples Singers. And they went back and remastered and re-recorded and added instruments and completed studio recordings that Pop Staples was working on prior to his death in the 90s. The album is called Don't Lose This. It is absolutely phenomenal. Jeff plays on it. They brought in Mavis for some of it. Jeff's son, Spencer, plays drums on it. Uh, Very, very sharp drummer. It's a record very much worth your time because Pop Staples was and always will be a legend and a role model. Two more records I want to talk about. So I guess that rounds it out to five records, doesn't it? Let's talk about Shadows in the Night. Shadows in the Night was released back in February, and that was the Bob Dylan release entirely of Sinatra covers. I think it's really important to talk about, because aside from me being a Dylan head, aside from me loving Dylan, I can remove that that layer of my, of my admiration for Dylan and create a level of objectivity to talk about it. Dylan's voice is no longer conventionally good. One could argue it's never been conventionally good, but now it's way, way worse. A lot of people might turn on this record and five seconds cringe so bad that they turn it right back off. That said, his voice is much better than what it was in 2012 on his last studio album when we got the beautiful Tempest. His voice has improved. Some say it's because he stopped smoking. Some say it's because he's had some sort of therapy. He's such a closed individual that we know nothing about him still all these years. But regardless, it is better. But here's what's rather phenomenal about this record. Dylan understands that he can't sing Sinatra. He understands that. He understands that you can't belt out these ballads 
in the way that Sinatra did. No one can do that the way Sinatra did, least of all Bob Dylan in his current state. So he took these songs and he retailored them for his sound. He keyed them way down. He rebuilt them for a four-piece band, kind of like a four-piece jazzy blues, soft rock, uh, crooning country outfit. His current uh, touring band, which is absolutely phenomenal, with Charlie Sexton on guitar and all these great musicians. And these are songs that should never work in this setting. They should never work with this many musicians. They should never work with this kind of voice and this kind of delivery. And somehow they do. Shadows in the Night is a gorgeous record. Once you can sit down and move yourself past his voice, or even appreciate his voice, much like I do, it is a record very much worth your time. And one of the best records this year because it proved that while Dylan is not writing new songs right now, he is reinterpreting songs in masterful ways that continues to cement his relevancy as a performer and as an artist. A lot of people want Dylan to come out and write another Blowin' in the Wind, write another Tangled Up in Blue, write another uh, The Times They Are Changing or Masters of War. I don't think that's going to happen. As Dylan has said himself, you can be young and rebellious and passionate when you're young and you are wise when you're older. Dylan is wise now. He doesn't involve himself in politics. He doesn't make any political statements. He doesn't write political songs anymore. I think what you're going to see from Bob Dylan over the next couple years up until his eventual death is a whole new side of Dylan as he continues to evolve every year after year of these soft songs, these poignant, well-written, well-interpreted songs that are fitting to his age. Which at the end is good. Would you rather Dylan get out there and try to be a rock star and yell uh, like a Rolling Stone at you? Or would you rather him jazz and blues it up and make it his own and make it so it makes sense that a 74-year-old man is doing it? You don't want him cr- you know, prancing across the stage in a cowboy hat and, and tights like Rod Stewart singing, Do You Think I'm Sexy? You don't want that. You want him to change with the times and embrace his age and do new things with it. And that's exactly what he did with Shadows in the Night. So that's that's my fourth record. And here's my fifth record. And if you take anything away from me talking about this, go listen to this record. And I feel... Um, I feel somewhat predictable by naming this, in my opinion, the best record of 2015. Because Rolling Stone has rated it as such... Pitchfork has rated it as such. Consequence of Sound has, I believe. Um, I don't want to misrepresent them, but I believe it's at least in the top three. And it'll likely win album of the year. I sincerely hope it does. And that is To Pimp a Butterfly. To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar is the best record of this year. It isn't just a hip-hop record. It's a jazz record, it's a blues record, it's a soul record, it's a pop and it's a rock record. And that's what makes it so, so damn good. Is that Lamar has infused all of these sounds to create this eclectic, bombastic, meaningful, jazzy, incredible sound. And beneath that is this remarkably relevant social commentary that is so 2015 with police brutality and social injustice, and all these problems that we're dealing with, particularly in the United States, 
Lamar hits the nail on the head. And he does so time and time and time and time again on every single track on this record. I haven't heard a hip-hop record this good since... Goodness, I don't even know. Maybe My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but that's wonderful in a whole different way. That's production. This is everything. Maybe this is as good as Jay Dilla's Donuts or uh, early NWA stuff or something like that. I don't even know how to classify it because it's in its own special entity. If you want to see how amazing what Lamar did, go on The Late Show's website with Stephen Colbert and watch his rendition the second night that Colbert was a host. He goes out there and does a and does an interlude of four or five of the songs all in one big medley, and it is unbelievable. He's got a jazz pianist and a funk bassist and soul backup singers that look like they're straight out of a Southside gospel choir. It is amazing. The record is defining my generation and defining an era, defining 2015 and everything 2015 stood for. To Pimp a Butterfly encompasses that. It's very, very, very well done, and it is a triumphant record. I highly recommend it. I am typically not this complimentary of things because I am a critic. That is what I do. As many of you have been on the Independent Spotlight, I do it daily. But this is a good record. This is a very good record, very much worth your time. Those are my five top records of 2015. We're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about looping, and specifically loop loft, what that means for you as an independent musician, why you should or shouldn't care, and is it a scam? We'll be right back. As a multi-instrumentalist myself, something that has always eluded me is percussion. I'm just not a good drummer. I don't get it. It doesn't click with me. I can work with my left and my right hand, but once you start adding my feet in there, it's a whole other ball game. It doesn't work for me. So what's become popular, and I'm late to the party on this obviously because most of you are familiar, is looping. Taking a drum loop, and I'm going to talk specifically about drum loops, but there are loops for all other instruments as well drum loops being the most common, and looping them to create new beats and create backing instrumentation. And if you're playing songs and uh, if you're playing them rhythmically, you could play essentially with a drum with a drum loop. So I've been exploring this as an independent artist because I like to make my live act kind of different. And for me, that has been expanding the ways that I can create myself into a full one-man band without the need for a backing band because I'm really not a fan of traveling with a backing band all around the city of Chicago. So in the past, I've done this by incorporating harmonica, foot percussion. Now I'm working on using these pre-done synthesizers and drum loops that I can tap with a foot pedal that connects to a laptop. So drum loops can be really, really good if done well and really bad if done poorly. The website I want to talk about in question, because I've gotten an email about it, and I myself have spent a lot of time on it, it's called thelooploft.com. Now, these guys sell drum loops in all different collections, 
all recorded by professional drummers. I can vouch that everything on the Looploft's website is very high quality. I've bought maybe 15 or 20 sets from them, because they do a really great job on it. That said, I think they understand that once they've created a set of loops, it is essentially free money for them to sell it at any cost. Their overhead is incredibly minimal because it's already recorded, it's packaged into a zip file saved on their server, all they have to do is take your money and send you a download link. Because of this, never, ever, 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 ever pay the Looploft full price for any of their products. These guys have more sales than a Chinese thrift shop in Chinatown down the south, down the south side. Seriously, every time I go down there, there's 15 sales going on. There's more than this. These guys have a sale every two days. I get constant emails from these guys all the time. It's insane. Right now, literally right now, they're running two different promotions. One, no, three. One of them is 50% off anything on the website with a discount code. The other is 90% off their platinum pack, which is every loop on the website, typically a little over $5,000, now down to about 1000 They also have a sale on the on the uh, the gold pack, which is like down from 1000 to 185 or something like that. Uh, and they're also running something where they're giving out $60 worth of free drum loops with any purchase. I have never once bought something from these guys at full price, and I never will. They're always running sales, and I think the reason they're doing that is because they understand that it costs nothing for them to do that. So when they're selling you a $1,000 drum loop set, it's very high quality. I will give them that. But they've probably worked it into their overhead that most of those are going to sell for drastically less than that. Perhaps 80 to 95% less with the amount of sales they have. And if someone comes along and, fa- and pays full price along the way unwittingly, then Bob's your uncle. They just made 900 more dollars. So never buy from these guys on sale. I mean, without a sale. And there's a couple other websites, primeloops.com. I know Drums on Demand and Big Fish Audio are kind of common. But the Loop Loft seems to have the best prices because when you're searching for these drum loops, the Loop Loft has a huge array of every different style you can think of. And you can get them pretty much any format. Uh, I'm on their website right here. You can get in format, uh, wave, Rex 2, AIFF, all that good stuff. Get the stems, rebuild the stems, whatever you want to do, you can do that with their sets. And with these great sales they have going on all the time, just subscribe to their email list, check the homepage once a week, and you'll get whatever you want for 90% off within a month. It is worth noting, I am in no way associated with these guys. They didn't pay me to say this. Never interacted with anyone at the company. These are just my thoughts on something very similar to like how I talked about LNR in the last special report. So when you're going out and searching for these drum loops, make sure you're getting a quality product. If you if you don't have access to extensive samples, walk away. The Loopaloff seems to do a pretty good job of that. And then make sure you're not being overpriced. Make sure you're not paying far more than you should. When you're looking at the loop loft and you're looking at buying something for maybe 50 or $60, which is a price for maybe a standard volume that includes maybe 150, 200 drum loops, hold off for a couple weeks. You will get a discount code of anywhere from 
from 30 to 95% off. And then once you buy something, they're going to send you another discount code. I, th I have like three stacked up. It can't stack code, so that would be a bummer. Otherwise, you'd just get the stuff for free. So that's my suggestion. Drum loops, use them in your repertoire. Buy them carefully. You do not want to get scammed. And I'm looking at people on the loop loft potentially buying $1,000 products when they could wait a week and get it for 80 Drum loops. They're worth your time. Don't get scammed. That's going to do it. Let's close this episode out. And that's going to close our special report out for December 25th, 2015. We will be back next week with a full uh, New Year's episode chock full of lots of artists. So stay tuned for that. You can email me. I want to hear your thoughts. Hopefully this was entertaining, informative uh, for you, even in its brevity. Email me at jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. Download, listen to the podcast at jukeboxpodcast.com. If you enjoy what we do here, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be iTunes or Stitcher, wherever. That is always so appreciated. As always, I can't wait to talk to you guys next time. Please send your emails. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Plectone. That's P-L-E-C-T-O-N-E. Those are those guys that we talk about every month, developing that phenomenal new pick that utilizes a double strike pick, that dual pick, that is two picks connected by this soft uh, coupler. And they've released a new version of the product. It's even better. I've gotten my hands on a couple of them, and it just continues to be an exceptional product that really creates a tonal difference in the way you play your guitar. You can check them out at Plectone.com. You can support them by buying them on their website or on Amazon Prime. We're going to have an interview with their founder, Robert Taylor, in the next week. Uh, we have it all recorded. We just need to shoot it on out. And that'll be another special report. We have many more of those special reports coming. Lots of fun interviews. If you haven't checked out that Chris Knoll special report from Thanksgiving week, make sure to go back and do that. That's the interview I had with the critically acclaimed pianist Chris Knoll, who worked most notably with John Denver. In any case, that is the Jukebox special report. It was my pleasure hosting. My name is Brett Stewart. Find me on Twitter at at Rivers Rubin. Some of you have been contacting me there and following me there. That's been a lot of fun. I'm starting to really enjoy Twitter. Rivers is R-I-V-E-R-S Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. Until next week, have a great holiday. jukeboxpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read your message on the next show.
The Jukebox is available on all major podcast platforms, including iTunes. You can subscribe and listen to the show at jukeboxpodcast.com. While you're there, download a free album this month from one of the bands that was featured in this episode. 